0: We're going to begin reading, we're just going to read one verse in a second. Direct your attention to the screen. Cameron I have it up in just a second. I'm about to put two words of a four-word phrase, which is the title of the message today, which strikes fear into our hearts. The first word is the word cancer. Man, very few things in this world carry with it the emotional fright as hearing the doctors say cancer, the second word is the word sin. I felt impressed to preach this today because I don't think that drives the fear into our hearts anymore than it used to. Maybe time for us to have a little refresher this morning. When I don't think of the word cancer, I, you know, there's probably not a person in this room who hasn't been affected by some way by this thing of cancer. Either we've had a friend, a loved one, a parent, a family member, or ourselves have been subject to the trauma of a diagnosis of cancer. This week I attempted to go on the internet and look from the CDC. The most recent recent report I could find was 2008. And it does seem like, and I want you to hear a good word, it does seem like that in humanistic terms and cancer, that we're making some headway to, to win the battle over this life-threatening, life-ending condition. However, however, that word brings such emotional discomfort. Now watch this. That's why we call it dis-ease, disease. But I want to bring this message to you today and I want it to speak to our hearts because here's the truth, folks. The Bible speaks to us about a cancer that's worse than a bodily cancer. If you look on the screen, I want to give you this Matthew 10. Matthew 10, verse 28. Maybe. Don't fear those who kill the body but are not able to kill the soul. These are the words of Jesus. Rather, Fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You know, there is a cancer. There is a cancer. While it can touch and kill our body, if we leave it alone, it will send our very soul. It will eat up our very soul and find ourselves in a place that we don't want to go. And that cancer is the cancer of sin. Now, the question for many today is, what really is sin? I mean, think about it. I don't want to ask you to raise your hand. I don't want you to tell me, but think about it. How long has it been since you heard a message from God's Word about sin? In fact, I am disturbed today because it seems like in the church pulpits we've become psychologists, psychoanalysts. We're 12-step people as opposed to just preaching God's Word. So the question today is, what exactly is sin? I don't know that the RAs and GAs are here today. We have some of them. have some of them. I guarantee you if you ask them today what is sin, they can give you a very simplistic and a direct answer. Sin is when we displease God. But let's get a biblical perspective. I told you to turn to James 4. And we're going to read one verse. I'm going to let you remain seated. I hope you got your Bibles open there, but it's on the screen. It says So, for the person who knows to do good and doesn't do it, it is a sin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. As today we look at the topic of sin, I pray that we will not dismiss it, because I know you didn't dismiss it. I pray that we will not gloss over it, because I know you never gloss over it. I pray that today that we will take the Bible message that you give us and I pray that you will burn it into our hearts. And I pray that we will come to terms with our lives through your eyes in this matter of sin. And Lord, if you could just send your Holy Spirit to convict us to pierce our hearts and to cut our hearts and to melt our hearts so that we will come and surrender to you. Lord, I'll thank you because you teach us that that's the only way to find your heart. In your name I pray. Amen. I really don't want to be up here and slinging sweat. I remember when when I was a young man, preachers get up and preach about sin and they, they seem almost joyful to tell you that you were a sinner. That's not my intent today. I want us to take a fresh look at sin. And I want the Holy Spirit of God to work in our lives today with His flame, His fire, and His sword and reveal to us the truth that we may have long since dismissed and then do a work in our hearts. I want to look at it this morning from two standpoints: sin. The first of all, let's just deal with the truth about sin. The truth about sin. You know, the truth is is that most people, the real truth is, most people don't want to hear about sin. They just want to dismiss it. They they, they don't want to talk. You know, and, and and what we do here, please listen. We rename our sin. We call it well. We made a mistake. Oh, we had bad judgment. Oh, it was a bad decision. I mean, we, we rename it and we call it... You know, it's kind of like the Bible calls a sexual relationship with someone who is not your mate, he, call, he calls that in the Bible adultery. Today, what do we call it? We call it an extramarital affair. We call it an affair. Well, it's an affair. It's an affair that breaks the heart of God. And the common practice today is to go, well, Brother Jerry, you don't get really upset about sin because nobody's perfect. I am so tired of us hiding behind that wall that nobody's perfect, so it's okay. It is true that nobody's perfect, but it is equally true that God would give us the power to rise above sin if we will walk close enough to Him. When you think about nobody's perfect, wouldn't you like to be a fly on the wall at the judgment seat of Christ? And have somebody try that one out on God? Oh, God, you don't don't understand how it was on earth. Oh, I really don't? No, you don't understand how it was on earth. Everybody was doing it. I know. You see, God knows our heart. He knows our lives. And just because everybody else does it, just because we gloss over it, does not mean that he's going to gloss over it. So let's just take four or five words. You've got the bulletin. You can keep score. First of all, let me tell you a few things about sin. That just to remind you, first of all, sin is personal. Sin is personal. This means everybody sins. Everybody sins. When Paul writes to the Romans, he quotes the Old Testament, and he says, There is none righteous, no, not one. And then he goes further and he says, for all have sinned. In fact, when John writes his epistles in First John, he says, you know, the truth, guys, if we say, if you say you have no sin, you lie and the truth is not in you. Sin runs rampant in us, and yet it's not the same sin for every one of us. Did you know that? You've heard me say it many times in six plus years. Satan knows your weakest, your weakness and he knows when you are weakness. Excuse me, let me say that again. He knows your weakness and he knows when you are weakest. And it is at that point he picks up those fiery darts and he throws them right at your heart. For some in this room, lying. Lying is the sin. For others, lust could be the sin. For others... Cursing could be the sin. I mean, we have all kind of sins. Some, let's just let's break them down. For some, it's sensual or sexual, lust, fornication even, pornography. For others, it's speech that would be lying, that would be cursing, that would be cheating, that would be gossiping. While for others, it is the sin of greed, driven by the sin of greed. You, you cheat, you thie, you'll rob, you'll defraud even. And for others, you can fill in the blank. You see, everybody has some sin that Satan is working on you with. Sin is very personal, and Satan knows how personal it is. Can you identify in your mind's eye right now what your sin is? And that cancer of sin will eat you up if you don't deal with it. Secondly... Sin is persistent. It is persistent. It, doesn't, it rarely goes away by itself. Romans 6 tells us that before we were saved, sin was our master. In other words, that means before we come to Christ, that means if you're outside of Christ, sin is telling you what to do. It means before we came to Christ, sin controlled us. For those who know Christ, can you remember what it was like for sin to run your life? Can you remember what it was like to never be able to get away from it? I'll just give you this little statement. You can write it down. Sin never gives up on its own. You see, Satan will do his best to get a toehold. And when he gets a toehold in your life with that sin, it'll, he'll then go for a foothold. And then when he gets a foothold, then it becomes a stronghold. And then he's got a hold on you. You see, you think I'm being kind of overly dramatic about this, but let me tell you how persistent it was to Paul. To Paul, he says, this is the way I am. The things things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, that's exactly what I do because the old man flesh was always pulling at Paul. He, Paul knew never, sin never gives up. And anybody in this room that says, oh, yeah, I live above sin, all I would ask is, do you live above a bar? Because sin's always chasing you, it's always persistent. I'll give you a real painful illustration about how sin is and using this cancer. About 11 years ago, Deborah and I lost a real good friend to cancer, a 39 year old beautiful woman named Barbara. I'll never forget at the hospital when they first diagnosed her cancer, tumor down in the, uh, um, the lower track area, laying up next to uh, some vital organs. They went in and they operated. And they gave this report. They said, we got it all. We got it all. But this type of cancer, it will come back, and it will come back with a vengeance. It was about 11 months later, Deborah and I were leaving their house. I turned to her, and I said, Barbara's sick again. She's not telling anybody because it's Christmas time. They don't want to mess up anybody's Christmas. Four weeks later, she'd gone home to be with the Lord. Because cancer doesn't give up. Cancer is persistent. And sin doesn't give up. Sin is persistent. Next thing I'll tell you about sin is it's pervasive. Now We don't use that word. Number three, sin's pervasive. You know what that tends to mean? Sin affects every part of your life. I want to say that again. The sin that you have affects every part of your life. If you're eat up with lust, if a man is eat up with lust, it will affect his relationship to his wife. If a man is consumed with gambling, it will impact the way he thinks and the things that he does. If a man is consumed with anger or hatred, it will impact the whole part of his life, in fact, everything he puts his hands on will turn to rubble and he won't understand why. And secret sin, please listen, secret sin will impact you even greater than that. Secret sin will make you seem like you have multiple personalities. It will cause you to lie to your family it cause you to lie to your friends. It'll cause you to put on the front. The truth is, the cost of sin is very high. And it will affect everything you are. It will obviously affect any relationship you may think you have with God. Sin next is progressive. You know what that means? Sin never stops wanting more. You remember two or three weeks ago, I talked to us about being insatiable. And from the book of Haggai, the first, it said, it said, man, they had food, but it never was enough. They had clothes, but it never was enough. They had drink, but it was never enough. It had money, it was never enough. It was because they were insatiable. Here's what I'm going to tell you. With sin, you're trying to fill a carnal hole. And you'll pardon the excuse, but that's like our, our American parallel of flushing money down a toilet. You'll never fill it up. King David started with laziness, and the time all the kings went off to war, he stayed at Jerusalem. It's more comfortable at Jerusalem. He started with laziness, being out of place, not doing what he was supposed to do. It was moved to lust. Saw Bathsheba. Moved to immorality. He came in and he had he committed adultery with her. It moved to deception. He tried to get Uriah to come and spend the night with her to cover it up. And when he wouldn't play along, it moved to murder. You see, sin never goes away. The progression never stops. The old saying is, sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will make you pay more than you ever thought you would want to pay. There is no control in sin. It is a cancer. And it will eat you up. The last thing I want to say about. Just to bring you to your attention. And that's the most obvious of the whole thing. Sin is Poison. It seems today that, as I said earlier, that today's society is trying to win the battle against life-ending disease called cancer. Maybe we are, maybe we're not. But you make no mistake. Sin, the cancer of sin, if it is left untreated, has only one outcome. And that's death. It can destroy you here on earth. Can destroy your body here on earth. It can destroy you for all eternity. I, can, can you imagine having poison in your system and not treating it? I think I've told you this story, but it's still pretty, uh, still pretty uh, present in my mind. A number of years ago. We were home, my dad and my brother, and it had been really cold the night before. I mean 25, which was really a, an event in South Mississippi. And Dad said, Son, I, I want to go down here and just check my ponds. He has a about a four-acre pond. And then down there, he has a little pond that's about 20 foot across. And it's a watering hole for the livestock. He dug that out pretty much by hand, maybe a little tractor, but... Along the banks, it's like this, all around. We always carried guns to the, uh, uh, to the pond when we go, and I had the twenty two in my hand. And I'm standing up here on top of one of these things. It's still pretty cold. We're still pretty bundled up, and we're trying to see something in the water. He'd put some fish in the water, and we're looking there. And over to my right, down in the bottom of one of the valleys, I kept seeing some flash of white. couldn't figure out what it was. When I looked down, that white was the white inside the mouth of a cottonmouth moccasin. Now, if you've never spent much time in the woods, cottonmouth cottonmouth moccasins, they are born in a bad mood. And the only reason that he had not struck me is because his body, he had curled up there the night before to stay warm and his body was still frozen solid and the only thing he could do was move his head. I've thought about that many times because you see that bite of a cottonmouth injects so much poison for such a little guy. It destroys the skin around the, uh, the marks where you get bit and then the venom goes into your bloodstream. Can you imagine getting bit by a cottonmouth, a rattlesnake, a king cobra, a black widow spider, and looking at that bite and going, well, look at that. That's just two little, that's two little holes. That can't be that bad. I oh, don't worry about that. Or if it's a black widow spider, oh, look at that. It's just one little hole. It's not that bad. Look how little it is. It's not that bad. But do you know that's exactly what we do when we ignore the sin in our life? You know, you you can even look there and go, you know, uh, that's cottonmouth moccasin. That used to be a bad bite, but it's not anymore. Do you know that's how we do sin today? There was a time that God said that sin was bad, but "Ah, that's no big deal today. The problem is God's standards never changed. The wages of sin, the compensation for sin, the payment for sin is still death. And sin will poison your body, it will poison your spirit, and it will poison your soul. And the Bible says, and the Bible says that sin in the life of a Christian, a believer, is worse and a non-believer. I'm going to read this pretty much without, without a, a comment. Because people take such issue. Listen to it. Hebrews 10 verse 26. If we deliberately sin. After receiving the knowledge of the truth. There no longer remains a sacrifice for sin but a terrible expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire about to consume the adversaries. How much worse punishment do you think one will deserve who has trampled on the Son of God, regarded as profane the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know the one who has said, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now, I'll go back up there and I'll read. If we deliberately sin, there no remains. After receiving the knowledge of the truth, I would guess that would be saved, being saved. There no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. Somebody says, Brother Jerry. I don't believe that. Oh, good. That changes everything. I mean, it's God's Word. You don't believe it, so that changes everything. Not for me. If God said it, it doesn't matter what. You know, years ago, we sang the song, Jerry, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it for me. Let me just tell you, God said it, that settles it, it don't matter what we believe. Sin is a poison. And God will judge sin. If you choose, if you choose to live a life in sin, the judgment of God's coming. That's the truth about sin. If you choose to walk among your your classmates' students, if you choose to walk among your classmates and sin like they do, there will be a day when God judges you. And God doesn't let us off the hook like mom and dad do. We've talked about the truth. Let's end with the treatment for sin. Let's end number two with the treatment for sin. There is a treatment. We may not like to talk about sin. We may not like to talk about the reality of sin. But here's what I'll tell you. The reality is without treatment, you have no hope before a holy God. now let me do the good news. If you do it God's way, there is a 100% cure rate under his treatment. I begin by using one word that says, admit. Admit. Now, if you're a biblicist, Our linguists, you can go to the Bible and you can find that that word does not readily appear in God's word at all. We've used it all our life. Actually, the partner word is the word confess. Which means that you own up to the fact, hey, it's me. It's me. To admit your sin is to confess and say, yes, I did it. Just like if you committed murder or thievery or lying. And for some reason, you were called into the authorities and you were to confess to the crime. I want you to see both the root and the fruit of this admission or confession. The root, we have to go to a Bible story to see the root. Acts chapter 2, Holy Spirit fell on the praying people. Peter got up and he preached 10 minutes. And this is how he ended this. You know, you know, the way we do it today is kind of backwards from the Bible. Today we, we, uh, we bring a, a sermon down to something very soft and we get Robin to come play something soft on the piano while everybody bows their heads and closes their eyes and we try to emotionally pull people into the kingdom. Listen how emotional Peter was when he finished his message. He said, therefore, let all the house of Israel, I would add, and America, know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. That doesn't sound like any invitation you've ever heard, does it? The Lord, that, the Jesus that you crucified. Now you understand in the context of the day, there were people in the crowd that were a part of the, of the mob that called for Jesus to be crucified. Today, I will say to us, God has made this Jesus, whether you like it or not, both Lord and Christ, the Jesus that you and you and me and you crucified. You see, every time, every time they spit on Jesus, they should have been spitting on me and you. Every time they whipped Jesus, beat him beyond recognition, they should have been beating you and me when they put that crown of thorns on His head, it should have been on you and me. When they drove the nails into His hands, it should have been you and it should have been me. Because it was our sin that sent Him to the cross. And many of us have a problem with saying, our sin sent Jesus to the cross. And the Scripture says when they heard that, When they heard their responsibility, it says their hearts were pricked. Their hearts were pierced. One translation even says they were cut to the heart. How long has it been since you were cut to the heart about anything? Over the last couple of months, we've had several folks to put parents in the ground, put their bodies in the ground. You were cut to the heart about that. Over the last couple of months, teenagers buried a classmate. Cut to the heart about that. But how long has it been since you've been cut to the heart about the grief and the pain and the agony that you laid on Jesus? With your sin. You see, God hates sin so much that He allowed His Son to be crucified and buried in the crown. The admitting of sin is the very root. Answer in your mind Do you believe that you're a sinner? It's on you then. That's the root. The fruit the fruit of admission, the fruit is the next word I will tell you, that we have to repent. We have to confess. We have to admit that we've done something wrong. And then we have to repent of it. Now repent, you've heard me mention this a lot of times lately. Repent means you turn around. It means you turn away from. It means you do an about things. It means you leave something behind. It is a biblical message. It is the message of Peter. You can read him in chapter 2, 3, and 8 of, of Acts. It is the ma- message of Paul. It's Acts 17, Acts 26. You can hear him. It is the message of Jesus. And in Matthew 4, when he came out of being tempted, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then they ask him one day what they must do. And in Luke chapter 13, he said, unless you repent, you're going to perish. Unless you repent, you're going to perish. As far as I can tell, there is no amount of preaching, there's no amount of Sunday schooling, there's no amount of Bible studying, there's no amount of giving your money and doing good works. Nothing will ever substitute for our repenting of our sin. And we have two choices to die in our sin and be judged for it or to repent of it. Many times we come to the end of the service and we sing, just as I am without one plea. And yet, and yet, the truth of that statement escapes our hearts. That we come to Jesus and we ha- only have one way to be made right, to ma- be made whole. For you see, if we left to ourselves, we're going to sin. We're going we're to do those things that displease God. We're going to lie. We're going to cheat. We're going to steal. We're going to be angry. We're going to be deceitful. We're going to defraud. We're going to cheat. Because the culture we live in sucks us in. This culture is dark and it's sinister and it's dangerous. And it's eating the, the very souls of people, of teenagers. The treatment for sin is, first of all, admit it, confess it. I am. The second one is to repent. And then the third part of this prescription is to turn to... And trust in Christ. Turn to the only cure for the cancer of sin is the blood of Jesus. They just sang about it. The blood of Jesus. Hebrews 9 tells us that if if there's no shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Because the wages of sin is still death. And when we turn, I'll say this to you you're rarely going to repent and turn away from sin unless you turn to Christ. You're rarely going to turn away unless you turn to. There's salvation in no other name except the name of Jesus. But now, if you'll do it, if you've not been listening the rest of the time, please listen to what, because this is part of what we need to know. If you will admit that you're a sinner. If you will repent, and by the way, that admission comes from inside because God's working inside of you to, through the Holy Spirit to tell you about your sin. Some folks here today, you're going, oh, I wish you'd get through because I'm tired of hearing about my sin. I know what it is, and I, just, I would like to get away from here. Well, you see that little working inside of you, that's the Holy Spirit of God saying you need to get right. If you repent, if you admit, if you repent, and if you turn to Christ, let me tell you the good news. Are you ready? You will be saved from the penalty of sin. The wages of sin is death. The only way to escape eternal death is through the blood of Jesus. There is no other way. You admit, you repent, you turn to Christ. Save you from the penalty of the sin. You don't, have to look, you don't have to worry about looking beyond the grave because beyond the grave you'll be with Jesus. You know what else He'll save you from? He'll save you from the power of sin. You know what that means? That means now you have a choice. The older I get, the more I study God's Word, the more I am convinced that our Lord wants to give us the power to say no to sin. And one day, we'll be saved from the very presence of sin when we live in heaven. That's his plan for us. That is his cure for the cancer of sin. So I want to end by just asking you a question. Are you afflicted today? Do you have this cancer? Does it rule and reign in your life? Oh, it could be greed. It could be gossip. It could be anger. It could be bitterness. It could be malice. It could be disobedience. It could even be unbelief. I mean, no disrespect, and I certainly will never want to bring Jesus down to my level, but let's just speak Alabama language. If you have the cancer of sin in your life, bring it to Dr. Jesus today. Because he's the great physician. If you've never trusted Christ, that's your first step. But you may have trusted Christ and been following, but you slipped off into sin, and all these things are now controlling you. Bring it to Jesus. If you do, you won't be disappointed. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father. I pray. We pray. That you will work in us. And that you will reveal to us. Our sin. And when you reveal it to us. You will show us how it hurts you, how it breaks your heart. And that you'll convict us. Show us how bad it is in your eyes. Then I ask you to pray. I pray to you and I ask you to put your arms of grace around us and bring us to you. Give us the courage to admit of it. Give us the courage to repent from it. And give us the courage to turn to you. In your name. Amen. If you've never invited Christ into your life. In just the moment we're going to stand and sing a song. And on the first word of the song. If you'll come see me. I'll be glad to talk to you about how you can know Christ. Perhaps with a message you've heard. Perhaps you just need to come spend some time with the Lord. The altar will be open. Perhaps God's led you to this church fellowship. You come and see me. We'll talk about that. What's your decision today? What will you do with what you've heard? Let's stand, let's sing, and you come.